Leaving a Legacy is brought to you by HipstersOfTheCoast.com and can be found on the Top Deck app every Friday. You can support the show directly at Patreon.com slash Leaving a Legacy. Magic is power. of Leaving a Legacy. My name is Patrick. I'm your legacy newbie. With me this week, as always, Mr. Jerry Me. What's up, Jerry? What up, Patrick? Oh, man, I'm doing great. How are you? I am doing fabulous. Dude, Mondays are... We were just talking about it. Mondays are brutal. Man. <laughs> like I got so much stuff going on on Mondays. Like uh, Amber is working her second job tonight, so I haven't seen her yet. So I literally like... Got up at got up at five, went to work, got home, like came home, picked up my kids, came home, made him dinner, cleaned up dinner, got him showered, got him to bed, read him stories, and uh, now we're recording, man, and I'm I'm loving it. Yeah, I mean that's a lot bad. I just have crushing existential dread on Mondays. But <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, uh, yeah, so it's it's been it's been great, man. I'm uh, I'm enjoying today, and uh, yeah, we got a lot lot to talk about today. I think. Hell yeah. Um, all right, so uh, let's see. Before we get into the cast, I just want to do a couple quick um, uh, little housekeeping here. I uh, want to shout out our newest patrons, uh, Jesse Thornton and William Butler. Actually, I think believe Jesse upgraded his his uh, his pledge. So thank uh, you very thanks, much, Jesse. guys. For yeah, thank you very much for for supporting the podcast. Uh, it means a lot. Like I said, it always helps it helps us do all the cool stuff we get to do for the community. So if you want to support the show and legacy in general, you can uh, visit the uh, Patreon. It's patreon.com slash leaving a legacy. Um, and yeah, that's all I have for the Patreon stuff. Jerry, was there anything else you wanted to talk about before we got into the cast this week? Uh, oh, I guess just for the patrons, we still have playmats to send out. So if you, yeah, I got, I'm, I'm super behind on that. So bear with me. I'm going to try to get that done this week. Yeah. Do we, are we record? are we doing, are we doing D and D this week, Jerry? Or is that next week? That's next week. I, okay. So probably Wednesday night then will be my night to, uh, get some of that stuff out. Cause I've just, I've been totally slacking on that. So. Uh, I'm going to try to get that stuff done this week. And uh, yeah, so that'll be fun. That's always good to send out. I love to send out a, just a, a big stack of play mats and thank you cards and stickers and all that stuff. So that'll be fun. <laughs> yeah, your postman would just be like, this guy really loves sending mouse pads as gifts. It's, <laughs> for, I mean, between between like my obsession with um, the early days of uh, of Puka Trade and now sending out play mats and stuff, it's like, yeah, they must think, I don't know, maybe they think I'm sending out like... Uh, Small amounts of acid or something. I don't know. I don't really know. <laughs> Just, like, that would be. I. I'm. I'm entirely sure that this has at least happened at some point. But someone has doused a play mat and turned it into an acid sheet. <laughs> <laughs> I saw someone. I can't remember where I saw this picture. It was somewhere on Twitter. But someone was playing at an event, and instead of a play mat, they just had a uh, like a cutting board. <laughs> <laughs> which is pretty amazing so yeah all right uh they're living in, they're living in uh 3019 i think the coolest alternate playmat i ever saw was someone had a framed picture of the tardis signed by a bunch of like the doctors like matt smith and david Tennant and christopher eccleston but it like it wasn't a playmat like it was just like a framed picture that he just played his cards on <laughs> what is that like er the doctors on er is that like a Grey's anatomy thing no no why do you hurt me? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love Doctor Who. I love that show. <laughs> All right. Well, <clears throat> that's enough. That's enough uh, BS. We got a guest who uh, cannot wait. Uh, he is uh, a tour de force, uh, jet setting around the world. Jerry, why don't you introduce our, our guest this week? We have the one, the only, Mr. Jeremy Aronson. How are you doing, man? How y'all doing today? I must say, I can't quite understand this here electronication thing, but it is certainly <laughs> nice of y'all Massachusetts boys to have me on once again. 
That's great. How's how's the reception from your tractor, by the way? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm in this. Uh, I'm this in this here country right now. I think we uh, fought fought a war or something in 1776 up in uh, Boston with some tea. But uh, sure, it's nice for y'all to invite me back onto this here hootin' nanny. <laughs> anytime, anytime. We're always looking out for you know charity cases to help our less less fortunate Western uh, neighbors. I, I hear I heard John Deere has a pretty good Wi-Fi system, so I don't know. I, I wouldn't <laughs> underestimate him. Actually. True facts. My friend who's a farmer hates John Deere because they've been souping up the technology and tractors so much that you can't they can't even fix them anymore. So they're just like, we don't we don't like we don't need a Wi-Fi enabled coffee maker tractor. I just I just need to plant some crops. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's the way all like things are going. Right. Like uh, uh, there was a guy who bought a used Tesla and uh, Tesla remotely disabled the autopilot feature because it wasn't something he had paid for. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So like we are just we are yeah, they're they are um making like the you know, like because my, my I used to have a ninety six Cherokee and I'd work on it my girl in my uh Are we going down time. another pad hole? <laughs> no, I'm just, oh, yeah, the answer is yes. <laughs> yes. Ooh, Jerry. Uh I was just saying, like I, I remember working on my, my Jeep Cherokee, it was a ninety six. This is like not that long ago actually. And like I could you could do everything on it. It was wide open and now like I I look at my twenty ten Cherokee uh twenty ten Patriot <laughs> It's like a uh, it's like a spaceship in there. Yeah, good. It's crazy. Cool story. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. <laughs> so, Jeremy, having you on the cast, uh, you got some big events coming up pretty soon. Got the uh, the twenty Ks right around the corner. Yeah, it'll be nice to see you guys back in the uh, great state of Missouri. Can't wait. Uh, should be a bunch of fun. There's a lot of Massachusetts people still coming, so I'm interested to meet a yeah. bunch of the leaving a legacy guys that I've never met before. So. Really Hell can't yeah. wait. Yeah, we got a good little crew. We rented an Airbnb. Really looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, is there anything you guys are worried about coming to St. Louis, or have you guys done any planning for it, or not really? Planning that that is the talk of a quitter. You just yeah. you go in there blind. You and you you see just it works out. It always does. <laughs> yeah. That, that's how I got through life, pretty much. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, don't you work with something that has to do with the uh, stocks and whatnot? Yeah, yeah, yeah this could be a problem. I'm I'm taking you, my money out of Wall Street. You just close your eyes and throw those darts. You'll <laughs> you'll hit bullseye eventually. Yeah. <laughs> well, but yeah, I mean, I guess uh, what would you say? Uh, we're we're only going to be there for the weekend, unfortunately. But you know, what would you say is our must must dos when we uh, we touch down for the tournament? Well, St. Louis cuisine is well known for its. Um, What's it called? Culinary expertise in all things. St. Louis is the only city, I believe, to have been uh, held by three different nations, Great Britain, Spain, and uh, France. So we've come up with um, amazing delicacies like bagels sliced the correct way, as well as toasted ravioli, gooey butter cake, and some other fun stuff. Um, You can really get a lot of the culinary scene in in like a night or two at dinner, uh, basically anywhere in St. Louis, but... Honestly, since you guys are basically kids, you should really check out the City Museum. It's a playground for adults. They have a ball pit for adults. They have a six-story slide. There's a 12-story slide. Uh, you and you and Pat can get up to some some fun, and it's it's a lot of adults there. It's not just kids. They have a school bus on the 12th floor, and you climb up a cage, uh, like through air, through airplanes suspended in midair. And uh, it's actually there's bars and stuff, so don't worry. But you can get a lot done. <laughs> That sounds really badass. I am 100% down with getting hammered and then going down a uh, multi-story slide into a ball pit. 
That and it's in a great. cave system too. So you're you're climbing up a cave system to uh, go down that slide down near the ball pit. Hell yeah. That sounds great. All right, that's that. That's getting added to the list. Right after, <laughs> right after we top eight, we're going to the the adult uh, game center. <laughs> yeah, I saw the crazy like uh, ice cream sundae that you had picture a picture of, and that looked insane. That was at Fitz's. Um, that's a local root beer chain where um, they're known for like root beer floats. They brew all their own root beer. I've actually had judges request to bring it uh, to events in the Midwest. <laughs> so I've like loaded up my car with Fitz's. The cashier sort of looked at me funny. And then I uh, I was like, yeah. Co- <laughs> Put it in a cooler with dry ice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So, yeah, definitely going to have to check out the sites when we're there for the tournament. Um, yeah. What about, so I'm sure most of our listeners have heard about it by now, but uh, can you give everyone the lowdown of what the tournament, what they can expect there? Yeah, so it's at a new venue compared to where we've normally done it. Um, It's in a suburb of uh, St. Louis, so there's actually room to park, which was a big problem at the other venue. Uh, We'd like a parking lot for like 30 people at the other venue, essentially, and so players were having to walk blocks to get there. This one has a parking lot big enough for basically every player. Uh, it's at one of the oldest shops in St. Louis, one of the best shops in St. Louis that has one of the nicest single selections in all of St. Louis. Um, like we've had problems with card availability in the past, no matter how many cards I've brought. So we're we're going to make sure that we have all the cards for all the players this time. Um, players are very interested in payout because the payout... It, I, I'm losing like $10,000 just running the 20K, I think is like how the math works out right now. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see... How much players can complain about the payout? Because you know there's a door prize of power and all yeah. that. I yeah, I gotta tell you, I respect tos. Be becoming tos ourselves has made me respect the work of tos well, so much more. I would. I, I don't know if I'd put us in the level of being tos. I think that we're just assisting be, a store and running up be, like being able to take a peek behind the scenes. <laughs> sure, yeah, because we've been helping out with gaming, etc. They're our local our local store. We love them a lot, and. uh yeah, just just like you said, peeking a little bit behind the curtain and, and helping out has been uh, enlightening, to say the least. Yeah, I don't think players realize just how much it costs to put on events and all the little expenses that you wouldn't expect and how much those add up over time. Mm-hmm. And how many messages you get last minute. I've got a lot of your Massachusetts friends who I said, hey, book flights because this event sold out, you know, three months out. And they're like, yeah, I'll think about it. And then... <laughs> I'm get. I got uh, six calls today from people from Massachusetts alone that were like, "Oh, so I looked at flights and they're too expensive now. So can I get a refund?" Which is fine. Uh, Jeez. But you know, it's Jeez. like if you scroll up in the Facebook conversations, they were like, "Oh, so when should I book a flight?" And you just see me say now, like yeah. before the end of December. That was me. Yeah. I was literally texting Pat multiple times a day. Did you book our flight yet? Did you book our flight yet? <laughs> hey, I, I crushed it. I got good flights. You did. You did, Pat. I was I was ready to pull the trigger earlier, and Pat was like, <laughs> no, my airline senses are tingling. It's going to be cheaper later in the week. I'm going to wait. <laughs> and and you were right, Pat. I should have. Yeah, we did okay. We did okay. I, so. I should have had faith. <laughs> you guys are aware that all flights into St. Louis are prop propeller planes, right? There's no. Oh, can't wait. Yeah. You're going to be riding on the wings. <laughs> I'm That's I'm a, where I like to be. I'm yeah. a terrible flyer. Like Ian from the Dead Format, he's flown with me to a bunch of events and he sleeps like a baby while I'm like breathing into a paper bag. So Pat's probably gonna have to like sedate me and I've already told him he has to carry me onto the flight because it's so early in the morning. <laughs> That's what just plain like a, wrong. 
We have like what, like a four a.m. flight, something like that, Pat. No, it's it's like a, we have like one seven a.m. and one nine. I think that we have a nine a.m. flight going to the event and a seven a.m. flight leaving the event. And Jerry's like, "Oh, we're just gonna have to do an all nighter because there's no way I'm gonna <laughs> yeah. wake up in time for a seven a.m. flight." The difference between four a.m. and seven a.m. is tiny, Pat. That's like three hours. Dude, like that's way too to, early. When I went out to Vegas, I took the first flight out of Boston, which means I had to get up and hit get the first. Uh, ride the first bus in from Framingham into Logan. So I had to get up. At, I had to be at be in Framingham. I think by like five o'clock in the morning. Maybe it might have been four thirty in the morning. So I left my house like at three, <laughs> <laughs> and it was like it was fine. I didn't bother. It didn't bother me. Fun story for uh, where I where the shop is based out of versus St. Louis. Um, the the first flight out is at four forty five a.m. and there's only four flights a day, and the terminal is a double wide horse trailer. In the middle of Missouri. <laughs> that sounds like you're joking. I'm us, not I joking. Bl- I totally believe I'm that. not joking. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. It, they really, you know, with the horse trailers, they really want mid-Missouri to have stable flights. So it just is nah. like that sometimes. I give that a 6 out of 10. Thank 6 you. out of 10. <laughs> Amazing. It was good form. Good form. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So we were landing... Uh, what would you say i'm really curious what do you think the meta is i know it's like it's almost a pointless question to ask for any legacy tournament just because it's people play what they play but have you noticed any trends among the locals yeah so i i know about what 70 percent of the field is bringing and i can't talk about it as a to i always have players ask me like what do i expect and because i know a lot of these people and they're asking me for cards for their decks i would just prefer not to say to keep the playing field level uh, if you look at the Facebook thread, like people were asking for a list of players playing in it, which I also feel is providing too much information as TO. Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> that's like that's like invitational levels right there. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a lot of money on the line. I mean, I wanted to draw the legacy community to the great state of Missouri uh, to you know hang out and play some legacy, but obviously there's some grinders coming that smell blood in the water. Though I feel like a lot of modern and pioneer grinders that are trying to take down a legacy format just won't have the experience to to win it unless like they test a lot you know because there's like certain interactions in legacy especially in like delver decks where if you make one wrong play on turn one if you fetch versus playing a duel if you brainstorm at the wrong time you're just so far behind and i mean scouting the room is uh definitely something that people it's almost not even intentional like if you're just on the circuit long enough and get to know a lot of the big name players if you see them in the room you you kind of get a barometer of what to expect and kind of what direction the room's leaning in yeah that's a good way of putting it um there's like a to dinner uh you guys are leaving on friday morning yes okay um yeah message me when you get in uh because there's a to dinner where i invited out of town players friday night over to my place and i cook for everyone um, but if you old men are going to be up until 4 a.m. on Saturday night, you like we should probably figure out something to do with everyone because <laughs> the tournament runs pretty long. Um, it's going to be eight rounds of legacy. That's a lot of legacy. Hell yeah, <laughs> I'm ready. Yeah. I've been I've been jamming leagues on Magic Online, getting my deck fine tuned. Ooh, yeah. I'm, uh, I actually just borrowed a bunch of uh, Magic Online cards so I can start jamming games again because getting out to paper events has been increasingly difficult for me, especially with my wife working a second job during the night. So, uh, yeah, I'm trying to get some uh, some more reps out there with some with uh, the usual stuff for me, but we'll see. I don't. Maybe might branch out. I don't know how valuable my testing's been though, because so I in the last two days I jammed four uh, Magic Online leagues, 
And in those four leagues, 16 of my opponents were on some flavor of Karn prison, which I don't <laughs> think is representative of the meta as a whole. I think like I think Magic Online sometimes borrows like YouTube's uh, pairing algorithm. It's like, hey, <laughs> hey, Jerry, we saw you played against Karn prison once. Here's, here's 15 more. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, so yeah. so uh, I, I had to step away for a minute there earlier, but did you guys happen to talk about kind of like uh, what Legacy's like in Missouri right now in the Midwest? Yeah, so um, currently as we're speaking right now, there's people playing in mid-Missouri at Dollar Beer Night at a dive bar mm-hmm. for, you know, they just like, there's Legacy in St. Louis. Um, uh, there's a lot of Legacy in St. Louis. I think there's like... We're getting up to four or five magic events a week that are legacy. On Saturday, I think there's two legacy events on two competing shops. Uh, one of the bigger legacy shops did close down because the rent downtown was too insane for them. They had like a insane setup, but it was just was I think it was just too expensive to keep a game shop open in the middle of downtown St. Louis. Yeah, that was that's kind of was, what I was getting into. Was Missouri was a, the um, uh, was a moon base market? Yeah. yeah, that was the old venue. It was a four story shop. With a gaming bar and a and like an actual bar, but then the top three floors weren't really monetized as well as, in my opinion, they should have been. Um, so you had a lot of players on the first floor, but like the other three floors were basically just taking up rent money. So, yeah, that's tough. I mean, it's kind of like the uh, catch twenty two of uh, running a shop is you want to be where the people are, but where the people are is also the most expensive rent. It's right. kind of hard finding the the perfect balance. There's also still too many shops in St. Louis. I think we have 26 shops left after Moonbase. Wow, so. that's a ton of shops. Yeah, and like, like are are they all running Magic? Like, because I mean, there there are a bunch of like quote unquote Magic shops in Boston that are really just like comic book stores that also mm-hmm. have like a couple booster boxes in the display. They're no, these really are all like, Magic shops that are all running their own events and all competing ab- over the same player base. Yeah, wow, that yeah. is some saturation right there. Yeah, that doesn't include all the comic book shops. That's just like actual magic shops where you can walk in and see people drafting or whatever. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's show gives definitely some credit to Missouri's uh, just magic player scene in general that, I mean, that many shops could open up. I mean, even if it might be a bit fierce competition, the fact that that many stores are still open is pretty testament to how many players there are. Yeah, that's that's pretty fantastic. Yeah, the St. Louis area is about 1.2 million people, I believe. I think that's the number. It's like 900,000 in St. Louis County and 300,000 in St. Louis City. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's a lot of players to choose from. For sure. Interesting. Um, and what would you say are the shops that are most focused on legacy? Yeah, so there's a, fran- there's a franchise model of shops called the Fantasy Shop. Uh, there's three or four of them in St. Louis. They all run Legacy at different times during the week um, in different parts of St. Louis. Um, one of the new up-and-coming like uh, shops where the owner is trying to cater to his local players is called um, Darkside. Um, they've seen like a really big expansion in the last six months because the shop got bought out and the new owner, who I have no affiliation with, was just like, all right, what formats do you guys actually want to play? And then he's been mm-hmm. running those formats and like running surveys and i haven't even played in a legacy event there but like all my friends are saying that this dude runs good events um you have bodax in southeast st louis which has been a staple of the community for i don't even know how long but they've been running legacy events for a long time that's where you'll see a lot of innovation in legacy i've gone there and i've played against like high tide with just like random seven drops and cyclonic rift um 
to things like uh, uh, Dino Stompy. Just like people are always innovating at that <laughs> shop, it feels like. We had uh, two Dino Stompy players at the Leaving a Legacy Open. It was uh, it was surprising, but deck's sweet. <laughs> yeah, uh, the players in St. Louis were actually all watching the Leaving a Legacy stream, and when that deck came on, we all like tagged the guy like, "Hey, come watch this!" <laughs> and then he got destroyed. <laughs> yeah, it was a uh, it was unfortunate, but still good to see the sweet deck on camera. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that's that's awesome. I mean, I think east coast and west coast definitely get uh over credit for how much legacy i mean there is a lot of uh, legacy on the coast but i think it causes people to underappreciate how much legacy is going on in other parts of the country because right. i mean that's a that's a huge legacy scene yeah from what you're describing yeah and you also have chicago which isn't that far from us indianapolis isn't that far from us and minneapolis is not that far from us so they're all easily drivable to play in tournaments yeah that's awesome um we were talking about this before that um, we're definitely seeing a return to the kind of organic regional growth of legacy and legacy communities that was happening before star city games really blew up with their, uh, you know, their weekly legacy tournaments. Um, so it's, it's really interesting and I, I kind of like it because with a bit more separation between the regional, it's not just like this homogenous, like star city games weekly thing. It's a more regional homogenous tournament scene. Um, we're probably going to start seeing a lot more uh, like variation and deck style and innovation coming. Um, whereas before it kind of felt like, yeah, we had like the U S meta and we had the European meta. And then there was like the crazy Japanese meta. Um, now I think oh, the yeah. U S the U S meta might be breaking up into like three or four different regions. And we can see mm-hmm. some really interesting stuff coming out of each region. I've played legacy in Japan a lot. And that meta is definitely interesting to say the least but it's also some of the most fun i've ever had playing magic <laughs> definitely 100 <laughs> percent. yeah yeah you're right we're seeing local to step up to the bat um nerd rage gaming out of chicago which i guess is like my competitor is like one of the most professional legacy scenes in the midwest by far they're running team trios legacy 5ks i play in all their events that i can like that's just how good they are up in chicago because you know you're going to get a a very good uh turnout as well as a great meta like it, nice. the meta in the Midwest never seems focused on a central deck. There's always people playing their pet decks and that makes up most of the format. Definitely. And yeah, I mean, that's like I said before, like asking what the meta is for a given tournament's almost like a pointless question just because people are just going to play what their deck yeah, is. Exactly. Yeah. People ask us about that, about the opens and it's like, it's going to be a legacy. It's going to be a legacy meta. Like that's what you're going to say, <laughs> you know? Yeah, you're gonna have some flavor of the week. You're gonna have some, you know, develop. <laughs> excuse me, developing deck. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna see some developing deck, um, and you're gonna see people playing their decks that they've been playing for the last five years. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I brought goblins to GP Phoenix like five days. Hell ago. yeah! <laughs> goblins was on. Yep. Go ahead. You know how to beat Bant Snow? How? You just play four Thunder My Hellkite main deck. <laughs> i didn't lose a single match oh man that's hilarious yeah. yeah goblins was on the upswing for a while until uh snowco rose to dominance yeah, we haven't really seen much of it since then but yeah goblins is definitely doing some work for a while yeah uh well should we get into the question because we got quite a few yeah uh, we got some questions from the facebook i know like i said jeremy's got a uh you're a, you're a man about town so you got some you got a hard out soon but yeah let's get into some of these questions because we'd be i'd be bummed if we get to all of them um all right let's see uh joseph dyer 
he asks, uh, so this, all right, there's a little bit of context to this, so you might want to explain it, Jeremy, but can Jeremy supply sick hundos to every 40K participant to use for life totals in this event? So something in Missouri, and I've seen an old school as well in Missouri, is players keep track of their life total using $100 bills, which means you'll see 14 players show up with two grand to, like, a dive bar. And the bartenders play magic, the waitresses play magic, and they're just using their life total with hundreds. I mean, obviously, That's that doesn't give wild. the best impression of Legacy, but like, I'm Legacy is affordable. Yeah, I'm lending out 22 <laughs> decks to this tournament, so like, people who don't have necessarily the best means can just ask me for a deck, and I'm happy to provide it. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> um, all right, let's see. Um, uh, so Joseph, he did follow up and just said big thanks to you for doing all, all these events. It's going to be hella sick. Uh, the main question he has is. Is there going to be consideration for coverage at the 40K? Yeah, so we di- we haven't really talked about this. So I'll be running a Legacy 40K that should be getting announced by the end of February. There will be coverage. Um, That's awesome. I have had dozens of content people as well as um, uh, shoutcasters and color commentators from different games even uh, reach out about doing coverage. But I've been pretty clear that I want Anurag on this for sure. Um, oh, nice. Just because of how good he is. And I feel like I sort of owe him because of how much he's done for this community. Um, the Legacy Pit also reached out. That's under consideration. Uh, but yeah, I get a lot of DMs about uh, providing coverage because we cover flights, we cover hotel, and we compensate them as well. Like, uh, if player, if people listening to this don't know, when I run events, I go all out. I'm not trying to make money off entry fees. I'm just trying to run a good tournament. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Uh, I don't have. I'm not going to go into the podcast uh, now on that, but uh, yeah, that's that's very nice that you compensate the people who are putting effort into getting to your tournaments and and putting out a, a great product for you. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, it's the same with the judges. We pay the judges either comparable or higher than grand prix in cash and instead of boxes as well. Because I think paying specialized people in boxes is just sort of a ripoff. It's like a shop taking a bunch of back stock and being like, here you go. Like, thanks mm-hmm. for volunteering. It's I'd rather it's just like- pay them cash. It's like paying legacy players in standard booster packs. It, it, it just, yeah. it, actually, to be honest, like <clears throat> this is a, I just gotta say this real quick. The fact that judges were ever ever allowed themselves to be paid by getting product, I think, is like a failing on their part. Like they they well, they, they should it, just it was they could just say what's that? It, it was conditioning because no, but see that's time the, the that's judge, the problem though. The judge, that, yeah, the but issue. the judge promos were like that's like saying get, you shouldn't be allow yourself to get paid in gold bullion it's like, right because right. it used to be judge promos and boxes and then it got cut to boxes and now it's but, not boxes but that's the thing is like i would never allow myself to be compensated in cards i'd want to be compensated in cash no you know, as, that's just that's just me as like, long and, as it, and, as long as it's and liquid, by it's but listen no by by now. other judges saying yeah I'll, I'll take a booster box as payment they are driving down like the floor for every other judge that's around them Do you know that's what I'm the saying? nature like, of the judge tournament though because all the l1s have never been to a grand prix so they'll always take booster boxes over money or they'll take less money and essentially work the trip for free to see their friends at the judge party on Sunday night. Like there's right. always going to be people like that, which is why TOs always have to compensate higher level judges with higher amounts of compensation. Because I feel like the older judges value their time more, their expertise more, and as a result they may even make like ten dollars on the weekend judging events. Yeah, it's like I just I, I I was talking to someone about this the other day and like 
my money, my, my rather, my time is worth a certain amount of money, especially like as an adult where I have like a wife and kids and like I have a mortgage. So like if I'm leaving my family for a weekend, like I need to show them something when I come back and it it better not be a booster <laughs> box of Theros beyond death. Like I will get murdered by my family. Right. But that's Daddy, not who we can't t- eat booster packs. <laughs> TOs aren't targeting you. They're targeting all the like college age kids. Yeah. Or like no, people that don't have a family. Yeah, I understand, I, and I understand that. But like, at some point, like, I mean, there, I see judges. I mean, the judges for like the opens are all like well established, like adults, and like, I that you know they get they get paid. Like, they don't get they don't get you know. Bad. I, I think you're you know? underestimating though, just like how valuable some of the judge promos were back in the day. No, because, I understand like, they're valuable, but you know what? Like, they they are only valuable in the in the magic market. You can't go. To, you can't I'm go about to your to insurance agent like and be like, hey, econ- can you take this can you take this batter skull promo for this month's insurance? Like <laughs> no, Pat, that's, that's not, not how, how it works. That's not how commerce works though. I'm about to launch into like an econ 101 conversation yeah. with you right now because I agree with Jerry as- here. I've been compensated a lot of ways by magic players as far as like with cardboard, people paid me a crypto, people paid me in silver bullion. I've had I've seen <laughs> realtors accept magic cards as rent. Like Yeah. Yeah. I but uh, but I guess I guess what I'm saying is is like the people who can accept that kind of that kind of payment—it's just a form uh, of currency. Currency no, 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 is but, currency. Uh, yeah, I, I, I just, I, I just, no, I, I don't, I don't ascribe to that. Like, that's just, <laughs> that's just not the way my life works. And like, I imagine that a lot of people's lives don't work. Is like, it, I just couldn't get it, paid in cards. Is I'd it be like, yeah, but is it liquid? As long as it's liquid, it's usable. I'm pretty sure booster packs are solids, Jerry. But my Missouri education yeah. isn't advanced <laughs> enough for that. Uh, if you can uh, easily exchange it for value before we go too deep on on something i know nothing about which is economics let's just go to our next (laughs) question uh chris thomas uh asks when do we this is kind of more the nitty-gritty but it's probably a good question to ask about the tournament when do we submit our dci numbers and deck lists uh so i (laughs) personally i personally text each player like a week out to confirm everything as well as answer their questions like it basically takes a whole day out of my schedule, but it's worth it for the personal connection with the players and for them to not like wait for me to respond to an email for a last minute question. That way they mm-hmm. have my cell phone if they need anything. Ironically, this also means that they call me at 2 a.m. the night of the tournament asking for a card, but that's part of it. Um, and then uh, Decklister submitted the day of the tournament at the players meeting. Okay. Um, well, we, you kind of already answered this, but if you want to expand upon it or just fill in any blanks, you're welcome to. Uh, Phil Romans asks, uh, how does the recent closure of Moonbase Market impact the legacy scene for the St. Louis area? And by extension, how does it affect TOs like you? It, Moonbase Market closing doesn't really affect me at all. Um, I always have like 50 to 75 local legacy players that will show up to any of my events just either because of EV or I guess some people would say that they like me as a friend. I, I mm-hmm. think that's how it works. If I keep paying them enough, like maybe they'll keep <laughs> saying that. Um, but yeah, uh, by the way, I haven't gotten my check in the mail this week. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's booster packs, Jerry. Come on, keep up with the program. Uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, but yeah, so legacy players have shifted to these other shops in St. Louis. And I, even today, like people were commenting like, all right, what's the next legacy event everyone's going to. And like one of the local guys who's a friend was like, I'll give a random legacy play mat to whoever gets first at this tournament. <laughs> so that's awesome. Yeah. They've just shifted. St. Louis is a pretty big city due to urban sprawl. So they're just mm-hmm. going to drive an extra 15 minutes to get somewhere. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. I'm excited to go. Cause I've actually never been. So I'm excited to see what that, what that place is like. Yeah. Do you know what Paris Syndrome is? Nope. 
So it's a syndrome or symptom, sorry. Uh, in Japan, there's such an idealized um, understanding of Paris and how clean the city is and like how magnificent all of Paris is. And when they get there, it's a dump. There's trash mm-hmm. everywhere and it's not what they expected and they get depressed because of it. It's like a real thing you can Google. And what oh, I'm yeah. saying is don't get St. Louis syndrome. <laughs> gotcha gotcha i mean you're you're home of the chiefs now though right that's gotta be pretty exciting oh man you don't know they're they're pretty far kansas city is pretty far from st louis pat yeah but i'm saying like like you know i i grew up in Rhode island and live in mass but like i'm i'm pretty far from not i mean i guess i'm not that far from boston but when the Patriots win the super bowl that's pretty exciting yeah well i don't keep track of any sport that requires me to count on more than two fingers for the score so that's why i watch hockey it's too complicated for football I, you got to add I sevens understand. and threes <laughs> understood um all right let's see uh mike uh, uh sorry uh benjamin Pacino asks uh what are some of the things that we as legacy players do or do not do in order to encourage these regional type tournaments um just like showing up is a big part of it for sure like yeah. Without people showing up to weekly events, there's no community. It's just people that like will occasionally come out of their shell once every three months. But the only way to mm-hmm. foster a community is to meet up for magic events every week, hang out at bars every week. That's sort of what the St. Louis legacy scene has transitioned into, as well as Mid-Missouri, is meeting up at these bars and just playing legacy every week with your buddies. And, you know, you're allowed to have a beer at some of the shop- at uh, some bars that shops in st louis wants to play alcohol with or mm-hmm. you can sort of let loose a little more gatekeep all the the kids out which unfortunately is something a lot of legacy players in the area do because they don't want like 18 year olds uh at at some of these events there's definitely an age barrier in st louis for sure so okay yeah it's like sort of sad but uh, a lot of the older legacy players don't want to deal with high school kids playing legacy they're happy mm-hmm. to play in the shop but when they want to unwind they don't want any kids there versus we don't discriminate on age for any of my tournaments. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I, I kind of like that. I mean, I do sort of dig like the old school vibe where you get to go to a, like a bar and play cards. That's pretty cool. But yeah, I, I, it's it's good to not you know alienate because we have people who come to the uh, LAL Opens. Uh, I'm trying to think. Baden is one of the one of the younger men who come to the tournaments. Baden, Teddy, there's yeah, yeah, like kids who are like under. I mean, under 17 years old, for sure, you know, and uh, I love seeing that. I, lo- I think it's, I mean, that's that's kind of what you need to keep the format alive. I mean, not, it, it's, it certainly helps keep the format alive, and, you know, I love seeing kids, uh, I say, I don't mean kids, like, uh, in a derogatory way, I just mean, like, younger people uh, at these tournaments, I think it's fantastic. Right, and I think a big thing to note is a lot of those legacy players also play old school, so they're basically mm-hmm. just playing the same type of people, but a different format, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. So yeah. it's like the same old school mentality, but with different decks. Yep. Um, all right. Bob Champany asks, what's the best food to have while in St. Louis in the St. Louis area? And what's the best fl- food you've, I'm oh, sorry. What is the best food you've had flying around the world? Uh, bread sliced bagels. Don't knock until you try it. <laughs> you guys are getting bread sliced bagels, whether you want to or not. I think I, first of all, can I just say, I think bread sliced bagels are are fantastic because you're getting like all the like the best bagels have like that nice seasonings on the top you're getting that and you're getting the bottom at the same time why would you not want the best of, of both worlds yeah. i don't understand um, anyway <laughs> i've traveled all over the world i think we've talked about this on previous podcasts um like hummus or yeah probably that like middle eastern food is just really good hummus so. That's yeah. not like one of my top foods, but I've never had like excellent hummus before. So right, yeah, I've been been to a lot of countries in Africa and the Middle East. So 
Mm-hmm. It, there's always a different regional specialty, and that's what makes it so good. Okay. My thing is, every time I've had hummus, I've always thought, I'd re- I really wish this was guac. <laughs> Jer- Jeremy, Jeremy, Jeremy Jeremy's status just went down a couple pegs in Jeremy's Jeremy book doesn't agree. <laughs> <laughs> I just felt a, dis- a disapproving look via Skype. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> I like my avocados, man. What can I say? No, I do. I do like guac quite a bit. I actually, you know what I like been doing lately is um, when I if I make like burgers, if I grill out and make some burgers, I'll throw some sliced avocados on my burger. It's like fantastic. It's very yeah, very good. That's definitely good. Yeah. Um, and then do you guys know what Provel cheese is? No. Mm, yeah. No. Wait, what is it called? Say it again. Provel. P-R-O-V-E-L. No, I've never had it. So it's a St. Louis only thing. It's provolone, mm. mozzarella, and Swiss. And it melts at a certain temperature like butter. And it's you can't really find it outside of St. Louis. I would recommend trying that as well. Okay. Yeah, I would definitely try some of that. Yeah. So like it's melted so the three cheeses fuse together. And then it's re-solidified into a block of all three. It's uh, it's a very interesting way Science. to eat pizza, but it's a local regional delicacy. Science has gone too far. Exactly. <laughs> That's what most East Coast people say. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, oh, Michael Ray asks, uh, this is a good one, I think. What advice would you give to Wizards to help keep open the gap between local and regional sized legacy groups to take part in the global community with their attention to the gathering in Magic? From an event standpoint, either allow higher um, multi- planeswalker multiplier points for people that are chasing that, because that's a big draw for a lot of people, ironically, mm-hmm. or give TOs Pro Tour invites, because I will keep banging my head on the wall for that. Yeah, that's a big thing. Huh? Uh, see, that's that's interesting because yeah, as a as a tournament organizer, you definitely have more. Uh, you're you're more close to the ground on what what players want from their events. But like pro tour invites to me are they are about as meaningless as it could be. It's basically a box of Theros <laughs> beyond death. You know what I mean? Like that. I had not interested in like a pro tour invite, but that's interesting. So you find that players really want those kind of things, huh? Yeah, especially in mid Missouri because they're all chasing a dream. That's what this game is selling them. Versus Legacy, yeah. you're selling the <laughs> excuse me, Legacy. You're selling a better gameplay. Mm-hmm. You're selling people that want more complex games necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the pro tour is selling a dream, like regardless of how well you do, regardless of if you make $35,000 in like Phoenix this weekend for winning um, there, a lot of what wizards is doing is selling a dream. The newer players. Gotcha. Interesting. Um, okay. Uh, Jasper uh, Gardner Birch asks, are snow permanents more powerful in the Midwest in winter? Uh, no, there's no way. Okay. <laughs> but um, I see what he did there. I do. Yeah, we all see. Um, and uh, finally, uh, Dominic Monfrey, who's one of our one of our friends, asks, uh, does the recent influx of 2019 cards to Eternal Formats change the way vendors are doing business for Eternal Formats? That's an interesting question. Yeah. Um, like, details for the 40K haven't been announced yet. I was talking about the cost of running a 20K earlier, as well as on the Reddit thread for the Legacy subreddit. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of vendors are switching to Pioneer just because the money's better by a right. lot. Uh, what you're doing with Legacy is your, at least my strategy is, and a lot of other vendors is you're either running these at break even or lose or losses, but you're getting the trust of those people to come to you first in the future. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, because my, my 
I, I remember hearing, and this is kind of like secondary information, but from a vendor that like they would rather sell 50 copies of a $5 card than whatever that equivalent is of a single card. You know what I mean? Because you can turn over those $5 cards so much faster and so much more often than like trying to sell that one dual land or that one tabernacle. Also, I mean, I'm sure Jerry can sort of speak on this. There's less capital when you're investing in different amounts of copies for the same thing if there's mm-hmm. no reserve list. Um, and then we've seen like a 40% drop in the market. Sorry, I'm from Missouri. A 40% drop in the market. <laughs> um, and so people that weren't able to get rid of that, especially vendors where you're paying, you know, five figures for a booth at a Grand Prix, mm-hmm. like that's a lot of capital tied up. But if you yeah. can, if you can buy 30 Tigas for five bucks instead of two Tigas for the, for like 150, um, it's much easier to move all that. And players right. like it too, because a lot of players are on budgets. A lot of shops don't do stickers on cases anymore. We still do that because a lot of players in our area are budget conscious. Hmm. I will say it is a big pet peeve of mine when uh, vendors at events don't have prices listed for cards. Well, I think it depends what type of vendor. Like, I'm at every Grand Prix, so all the prices there are going to have stickers on them, but a lot of LGSs at, like, events at your LGS. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I I understand that just because of, like, the nature of how quickly magic prices can change with uh, stores don't want to get burned right um, on that stuff. So I, I, I'm more, more speaking about events. But, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, and, like, what we do is we say if it's in the shelf or whatever and it spikes, you get it at that price because mm. we, already, we already paid whatever the pre-spike price was to make a profit, right? So why not give the players a little bit and help out their goodwill and you're still making a profit on it either way. Right. Exactly. Um, with it too, I, I think the decrease in prices will be nice because it allows people to be a bit more flexible with their decks. Um, you know, where you can afford to switch up your deck a little bit, maybe pivot into a similar, but different deck, uh, just because the lower prices allow these cards to be more fluid in the market. Yeah, exactly. It's a good point. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's great. Uh, people are seeing people buy into the format, um, with these, with the decrease in prices. I think it was, uh, what we needed because I mean, the legacy market was overheating there for a while, like $800 underground seas were just getting absurd. That was due to crypto. Crypto. Uh, everyone was pouring their crypto earnings into magic. I mean, speaking as someone who's behind a booth at a Grand Prix every week and yeah, you were seeing some insane crypto purchases Really, that was fueling like, the bubble. Yeah, I've actually so I've this wasn't this isn't unique to magic. This is kind of uh with a lot of <laughs> just nerdy hobbies in general, but with the Bitcoin uh craze and all the insane money that was made on Bitcoin, you the people who were like first into Bitcoin and made the most off of Bitcoin are also the same types of people who are most likely to be into like magic and computers and like other quote unquote nerdy hobbies. And there were some pretty insane price spikes across the board in these nerdy hobbies due to the sudden influx of, uh, you know, Bitcoin wealth. Yeah. I mean, we started taking Bitcoin in 2017 and our sales went up very high. Obviously taxes on that weren't fun, but you know, that's part of it. (laughs) Yeah. Crypto taxes are a pain in the ass. Crypto taxes, huh? That's crazy. Well, it's an, it's an asset just like anything else. IRS wants it to cut. Yep. Oh man. That's wild. That's wild. Um, all right. Well, there was one uh, one tweet that came in recently. It didn't have anything to do with this podcast, but I'm kind of want to hear your take on it because it's kind of interesting to me. Um, since we're wrapping it up here, 
It's from uh, Side Norna. Uh, hot take. The lack of support of legacy events, as well as the reserve list, may well be doing more damage to the prices of reserve list cards than any sane amount of reprinting and legacy support could do. Hotter take, people should sue Watsy to reprint cards for the value of cards. <laughs> <laughs> Playing play an Uno reverse on you right Yeah, there. <laughs> yeah, flipping around. I like that. <laughs> Oh man. Oh man. Yeah, but but clearly like 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 Jerry was saying they're not having any issues firing tournaments in his area, but uh we've definitely seen it the the scene can struggle for sure if you don't have people actively trying to keep it thriving in the area. Yeah. Um first I want whatever he's smoking because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's a lot wrong with those statements. <laughs> Some legal gymnastics. <laughs> yeah. Um what was the first part again? Uh it was just that uh the the lack of support for legacy events as well as the reserve list may well be doing more damage to the prices of reserve list cards no. than, than any right. sane amount of reprinting and legacy support could do. So EDH fuels dual land support as mm-hmm. well as tax season. And if you've noticed, the market has been relatively flat this year due to tax law changes. Same with last year. we like People got way less money than they thought they were going to get on tax returns. Uh, versus 2017, 2016, like crypto went crazy. People had more money. They they were on average getting more on their tax return, like politics aside, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the last two years now, people's tax returns are way lower and the economy isn't as good necessarily on certain things, especially from, you know, someone who's flying all over the world doing arbitrage, which is where you buy a, buy something in one country and sell it for more in another country. Mm-hmm. Uh, tariffs have played a real impact on reducing a lot of uh volume and like card prices are struggling because it's harder to get cards between markets and make their price go down Mm -hmm. um and what i mean by that is you were seeing some insane japanese bios numbers uh in 2018 at vegas in 2019 that's where the 700 800 bios uh went because like duels were a thousand dollars in japan for an underground sea but globally like there's problems in some economies where they're a massive uh, importer of magic cards where they can't necessarily get um, cards locally. So like Brazil, Japan, um, uh, it's been harder to get cards there. And as a result, like BIOS prices are going down because their economies aren't doing as well. So their local players can't buy as well. Um, there's, there's a lot of like macro and microeconomic stuff that I could probably write a book on. Uh, I just got, re- <laughs> I got interviewed by a reporter at GP New Jersey to like talk about this and like arbitrage and like global mm-hmm. scale. And uh, that took a while and I'm not even sure I explained it well enough, but you, you see a lot when you're traveling and flying all over the world, buying and selling magic cards and like the global market is not as healthy as it used to be. I think it's hmm. the best way to put it. Interesting for yeah. magic in for magic in general or specifically legacy. Yeah, so did you guys see the uh interview with a Canadian shop where they know where they had to pay 20% more for booster boxes no. and they had to pass that price on to consumers and then the shops either went broke or when uh when they went back and did like a follow-up interview, um the tariffs were lifted and they're like is this great and the owner was like no because we have to sell all these cards that we had to pay extra to import on oh. because it was a cardboard thing. He's like, we'll be lucky if we break even in six months wow. before we start seeing that. And this is all paraphrasing, but like, yeah, the global market is not as good as it used to be. The American market is fine, but the American market doesn't determine everything. Interesting. And for every legacy player that owns 40 duels, there's probably 20 commander players that own just as many, if not more. And the commander players are the main 
uh, demand. They want the HP duels. They don't care really what it looks like. They just want the actual dual land. That that's something that's always surprising. Maybe you can enlighten us real quick in the last few minutes we have you here. What what drives people who play in a casual, mostly for, format that I imagine most of the games are played in a non non sanctioned manner? What yeah. drives them to buy like actual cards instead of just getting proxies or, or something like that? Because they want the best and they want to play in competitive tournaments. There's a certain mm-hmm. type of mentality of those types of players. And legacy players are not that big of a population. We're probably 1% to 2% of overall magic that's being right. played competitively. And if you take competitive magic and compare it to casual, competitive magic is probably 5% compared to the casual market right. if you look at shop pre-releases. Yeah. Um, so you just need a very small amount of the 16 million players that play this game to want dual lands in their casual decks, and that's where the demand is. Yeah, that's crazy to me. That's just that's. I mean, I shouldn't say that's crazy because that that's been my impression is that you know the casual like for you know the magic players like the is like the iceberg where 90% of it's below water, and the people that are above water are just the competitive players, and the stuff that you don't see are all the casual games that go on around the world. Right. So let's take let's take 2016 for example, just mm-hmm. to extrapolate on that if you're okay with it. Yeah. So uh Fetchland shot up, right? They went from like $30 to $60 to $100 back then, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Who owned Fetchlands in that time period? Modern players? Yeah, so competitive players. So competitive sure, okay, players sure. trade in for competitive legacy players because legacy is still alive, right? Mm-hmm. And what happens to the price of duels when suddenly vendors are getting flooded with fetch lands and there's an increase in price, an increase in demand on duels? There's an increase in price, right? Right. So, so we have this happen. Legacy stops getting supported um, by competitive players. So, competitive players start putting duels back on the market because they don't need them anymore. We're also seeing Arkham's Astrolabe obviously have an impact on the dual supply that Legacy players need to play in these events because mm-hmm. a lot of people can get away with basics or less duels. Even Miracles isn't really playing. More than one tundra nowadays, right? That's right. like a, it's a big thing too. Um, so competitive demand falls off. The market starts getting soft after Bitcoin, and suddenly when cards go down forty percent, competitive players are not trading in cards anymore to get dual lands. It's only the casual players that want the dual lands because if you look at like the overall index on MTG Goldfish, prices are down forty to fifty percent right now on competitive cards. Mm-hmm. So no competitive car- no competitive players are trading in for these cards, so vendors have no reason to raise the price. It's only the casual players now that need the duels. Huh. And for every one legacy player that's just now getting into legacy, which is less and less every year, there's way more casual players that need a duel land, whereas competitive players are now focused on Pioneer and trying right. to play the new modern format. Wow. And if you're a modern player trying to trade in cards, you're going for Pioneer cards. You're not going for legacy. Right. Interesting. I mean, that makes a lot of sense, actually, now that you kind of spell it out that way. Yeah, like, as vending in 2016 was great because, and same with 2018, because everything was rising in price. You had either crypto tax returns, because every year Magic follows the same cycle, where prices spike every year during tax returns. Uh, it's been that way for 10 years now. They go up mm-hmm. like 20 to 30%, and then everyone sells their cards during the winter to pay for flights, to pay for gifts, to pay off their right. credit card debt, whatever. Um, and this is the first year I'm going to say that magic price is going to remain mainly flat wow. in a long time. And you're seeing that, and I'm confident making that prediction, just looking at Bylas right. and how confident vendors are. Wow, that's wild. Yeah, it's actually healthier that prices won't spike. Right, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, 
I mean, it's it's kind of like with the economy. You don't really want crazy spikes on it. You just want a casual like two three percent growth rate. And if you can stay consistent with that, you can be pretty healthy. And I think we'll probably see something along the same lines with uh, dual lands because for a long time, dual lands were considered like the blue chips of magic, where they would just like steadily, you know, get like a few percentage points each year, and you could f- yeah. feel confident owning them. Yeah, it's not that way anymore. Arbitrage on duels is a lot harder. Most players, most of the arbitrages in Pioneer right now, or Commander coming to the U.S. Um, I have to go soon. Sorry, guys. Yep, no, I've that's fine. Um, been that's, flying around the world. Yeah, uh, no, no. Th- thank you so much for coming on, man. We really appreciate it. Are you okay with me plugging one thing before I get out of here? Please, of course. yeah. All right, so we got a Legacy 40k coming up at the end of the year. Date will be dropping by the end of February. The door prize will be a Black Lotus. So I hope to see people there. Dang. It's going to, yeah. Uh, let's end the year. On a on a high note, regardless yeah. of how card prices look. Awesome. Yeah. I love it. Well, thank you yeah. so much for coming on, man. It was so great to have you. I know your time's tight, so we really appreciate it, and we can't wait to see you in April. Yeah, thanks a lot. Can't wait to see you guys, and thanks to everyone for listening to this podcast. It gets me through all my flights. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right, we'll catch you next time, buddy. Yeah. All right, talk thank to you guys again. later. Yep, see bye. bye. Awesome. All right, well, that's, that's uh, what we had for Jeremy here today. It was great to have him on. Yeah, for sure. I'm looking forward to the event in April, and I'm going to be grinding Pat to get ready. Me too. Me too. I actually might start streaming a little bit again. Yeah. Yeah, if I can make time my schedule. I really want to play, like, Magic Online a little bit more, because I just just feel like I'm not as in touch with the format as I want to be lately, so I got to put some more hours into it, man. Yeah, just step it up, Pat. Step it up. Okay. You got it, buddy. (laughs) I'm going to be calling you at 4 a.m. Well... (laughs) Yeah. I'm not going to be calling you. I'm probably going to pay someone on Fiverr to call you at 4 a.m. Yeah, yeah, because I'm there's not. no way your ass is up at 4 a.m. Unless, you, <laughs> unless you've been up raiding on Eve or something. <laughs> we don't... Oh, God, Pat. It's not called raiding on Eve. Okay, Jesus. was it la- getting your space laser fights? Yeah. Yep, that's actually the official term for it. <laughs> Sick. Um, all right, well, is there anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here? Uh, uh, just people. I don't know if it's you listening, but stop playing Karn Prison Control on uh, Magic Online because uh, I'm <laughs> getting sick of it. Jer- <laughs> torturing Jerry, <laughs> torturing him. I love it. Uh, yep, it's great. Fantastic. You know what? No, it's a great feeling, Pat. Casting Show and Tell, and your opponent putting in Microsynth latest. Oh. <laughs> 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 Gross. Yeah, yeah. Fun times. Are you playing the green cards too? I am playing the green cards. Ooh, very nice. Very nice. Yeah. I'm going to keep an still... eye out for another one for you. All right. Let me know. I think I think I might be good with one Eureka. Um, hey, we've got to keep kinda... the tech secret. We're just saying the green cards. I think people he, know he what means, it is. No, he means, he means Scrib Ranger. Okay? <laughs> yeah, Scrib Ranger, man. <laughs> He's playing show and tell with Scrib Ranger in it. Yeah. My, <laughs> my plans are beyond your comprehension. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry's gone full galaxy brain with his laser Thanks. space wars. Exactly. Awesome. All right. Well, let's get into scoops and poops then. Scoops. Who are you scooping into top eight this week, Jerry? Uh, I am going to scoop in uh, you, Pat, for sniping that uh, sick deal for me. So then along. So I, I got my first ever Eureka, which, Pat, I feel like I'm unintentionally getting a collection of legends together. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Rit, our friend Rich Shea, Dr. Shea, has a uh, an entire legends collection, I believe, like in a binder somewhere, which is pretty awesome. You know, people can say what they will about Alpha and Bane and all that, but I think Legends was the coolest of the early sets. It is very, very cool, I have to admit. I got it most flavorful, some of the coolest cards ever made. 
I, I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, very, very cool. Um, I think if you were going to pick... All right, so let's say if you were going to open up a, a booster pack of any set that that would give you the most nostalgic feeling, what would it be? Like nostalgic feeling? Yeah, I want to know, uh, like, if, if, if I said Jerry, like, imagine imagine little Jerry me as a child <laughs> cracking a pack of magic cards. You get, like, the, the crinkle of the pack. You get the smell of it in your nose. You know, up their nostrils, you get it into your nasal cavities. You know you're you know you're cracking a magic booster and you're super pumped about it. And what set what set is that that's on the front of the wrapper that you're opening? Uh easy. It would be onslaught. Onslaught. And I would be shuffling through the cards looking at how cool they are, and then I would be severely disappointed when I got to my rare and it was just a boring land that finds <laughs> uh like two different land types out of my deck. I'm like, ah. Oh, it was like all those all those all those fetch lands you found <laughs> on the bottom of your backpack, you said? Yeah. <laughs> you remember that, yeah. I do. When, uh, I do. When I like after I got back from my break, I found like a backpack in one of my closets, and it just had like unsleeved, polluted deltas in the bottom of the bag that were like discarded after a draft one time. That's hilarious. <laughs> uh, why do I need fetch lands, Pat? I have basics for that. I agree. I agree. <laughs> uh, if I was gonna guess, since you're not gonna set me up, I'm just gonna set myself up. If I was going to say like uh, my sorry, most, I can I can pitch you that softball, Pat. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, my most nostalgic. Set, I think I've said this before, but it's it's got to be Tempest. That was the first set I remember opening a lot of a lot of like uh, actually they weren't even booster packs really. They were I probably opened more starter decks of Tempest and like the pre cons they had because I thought those were so cool. Um, I just uh, I love the lands in that set. Like the printing of all the cards was so. It's so vibrant compared to like when I looked at like the, my Ice Age cards because I had some Ice Age cards too because I remember opening Ice Age starters as well. Um, but yeah, Tempest for me is like, yeah, I don't know what it is about it, but especially those forests. I think they have some of the best forest art in all of Magic for Tempest. And uh, yeah, I think I think if I ever put together a, a collection like Rich did of one of every card in a set, I think Tempest would be the one I do. Yeah, That's love, love Tempest. Um, any poops this week? Um, has anything ground my gears? No, I'm, I think I'm good. I'm good. No nice. poops this week. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, I am scooping in. I have two scoops this week. First of all, our awesome guest, Jeremy, he's, he's fantastic. So glad to have him on. Um, it's great to have someone who's so plugged into the, um, economics of the game. That's something that I'm not, I'm not familiar with. Um, it's cool to, to kind of learn from him and, and find out about, uh, just just like the stuff that I don't know about, you know, because for me, you know me, Jerry, I'm just buying and selling cards all the time, and I'm never making any money on them. I'm just like churning them over in my collection, and and no, and learning from someone like him is pretty is pretty enlightening. So I uh, want to scoop him in the top eight, and then the other one is um, it's a show called The Good Place. Jerry, are you familiar with the show? Oh, I love that show. That show's awesome. Yeah, so I just finished watching the finale uh, the other day with my wife, and like, of course, like I, it was a very uh, tearful finale. It was a uh, very emotional. Uh- don't spoil it for me. I won't. I, I got. I gotta wait for the Netflix. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, I won't. I won't. Um, but uh, it was a it was a great finale. Um, but like a huge bummer. Like, well, not a bummer, but well, well, I won't spoil it for you. But uh, <laughs> it was uh, yeah. I mean, it was it was a good finale. So I'll just leave it at that. Cool. Thanks, yeah. buddy. Yep. Um, and then poops. I'm just gonna poop on Tom Brady going out as a free agent. I'm afraid of this. Like this, they have a lot of like good free agents in the market right now in football, and I'm afraid the Patriots might end up with someone as a as their starter uh, in 2020. That's not Tom Brady, and it makes me a little nervous. That's probably for the best. Uh yeah. I mean, you can go burn in a fire, Jerry. <laughs> 
he's like what is he like 60 he's too he's, old <laughs> he's a young he's a young like 41 years old or 42 maybe i'm not sure 42 um, he's got one he's foot a, in the grave he is a god among <laughs> men um i think i think what's gonna end up happening is i think that Kraft and and belichick are saying well you know they're, they're looking at brady and he's not going to be their starter five years from now and they need someone to be that they need to look at the future and plan their future they can't just keep they can't keep going back to the same well with this guy, even though he's an amazing football player. Like football is very much a sport about what have you done for me lately? It's not about living on, it's not about resting on your laurels. Uh, and that's something the Patriots have never done. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad about that. I imagine what they're going to do is, you know, let Tom Brady go out, test the market, see who's, what teams want him. I imagine that someone like the Dallas Cowboys could use a guy like Tom Brady. Um, I mean, there's just, I mean, any, anyone would want Tom Brady, I think as a quarterback, and either he's going to get crazy, like a crazy amount of money and a team that already has weapons for him, or he's going to go back to the Patriots and the Patriots are going to say, Hey, we're investing in, you know, get this, allowing them some time in the tra- in, in trade is going to allow them to maybe secure a couple weapons and say, Hey Tom, look, we got, we got a number one receiver again. We got a great tight end. We're investing in some good, uh, to some good weapons for you. During the draft, here's our plan, and then he signs, re-signs with the Patriots. That's what I hope happens, is that he comes back to the Patriots, but you never know. That's a terrible plan, Pat. Let me tell you what Tom Brady should do for ultimate success. Okay. What Tom Brady needs to do is pull a Michael Jordan. What is you that just do, grow a Hitler mustache? You gotta quit. <laughs> you gotta, no. You gotta quit football. Gotta pick up baseball for a while. You know, pass the time with baseball, and then partner with, like, Disney or Universal and make some kids' movies coast that easy retirement money so i'm pretty sure uh i'm pretty sure brady actually got drafted into the into major league baseball and ended up going into the nfl instead which is kind of wild Um, play just play baseball instead just play baseball play baseball for a while and then sign some movie deals i I don't think you could I, i don't think unless you're like one of the top paid players in baseball i don't think it's worth it they play 162 games a year. Yeah, that is a- literally <laughs> 10 times more the amount of games you have to play in the NFL. That is literally 10x. Don't you also like sometimes play two games a day? Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> Can you imagine going out there, getting all sweaty and dirty, like your ass is all sweaty, and then you have to go out and play another game? It's terrible. To be fair, they mostly just sit on their ass for most of it. That's true. That's true. It is <laughs> you're, like either, you're either standing in a field doing very little or sitting in a dugout doing very little. Yeah, no. Like, like you, the only people who are really sweating up there are the pitchers they're, and, like, the catchers. They're the only ones that are really doing any consistent work. Yeah. And even then, they're only doing it for half the game. The other half of the game, they're sitting and watching the game. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's wild. Yep. Um, yeah, so that's, that's my poop. And uh, all right, well. Let's wrap it up here. If you want to follow the cast on on Twitter, it's at LALMTG. We send some spicy questions out there once in a while when we remember to. Um, You can find Jerry at JMEE3RD for all the sick Eve updates. You can find me at Pat Uglo. The stream is twitch.tv slash leaving a legacy. If you want to support the show directly, which is huge, you can visit us on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash leaving a legacy. You can do it for as little as a dollar an episode. It's It's an amazing way to support the podcast. Uh, we need the support. We want the support. We have to have the support. Uh, so find us there. Uh, you can find us on Hipsters of the Coast as well. It's hipstersofthecoast.com. Uh, you can join the Facebook group. Uh, and uh, you can email us directly, legacy at hipstersofthecoast.com. We're also now out on Spotify. I know a lot of people have been asking us to get on Spotify. Uh, and thanks to uh, to Dave McCoy. He's our, our guy down at Hipsters who helps post all our episodes. He got, I asked him once, and he got us on there. So, uh, yeah, we're on Spotify, which is which is sick. 
Um, and yeah, that's all I got. And, and of course, as always, thanks to Justin Lutz. He's our audio tech sound engineer. And uh, I believe he is the first known human to uh, to take an ayahuasca trip. Wow. In someone else's underwear. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Usually you do it in your own underwear, but he did it in someone else's. I actually heard that um, Justin doesn't actually exist, Pat. He's a figment of our imagination that we created, and he broke the fourth wall and edits our podcast now. Are you saying I edit the like I I go I black out and edit the podcast and then email it to myself? Yeah, it's like it's a it's a heavy. Is that like, why fight, I fight club is that inspired. why he has such a weird email address? His email address doesn't make any sense. Yeah, because it's it's your email address, Pat. It's yours. Whoa. Justin never existed. Dude, I just shit my pants. <laughs> Scene. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everyone. Thanks so much for hanging out. We really appreciate it. We hope you all have a great week. And we will catch you all next week. I didn't really shit my pants, by the way. I was just kidding about that. I just meant like I'm so surprised I took a duke. But I didn't actually shit my pants. Yeah, well, I'm, I actually kind of want... Uh, Justin, can you leave that part in, please? I'm afraid people might actually think I crap my pants. Which is gross. Like, I don't do that kind of stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, that everyone, it happens to everyone once in a while. Have you ever peed in your pants? Like, as an adult? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Great. So no one's going to know that I didn't shit my pants. Awesome.